This album, Zoom, took uh, two and a half years to make. The next one's going to be even quicker. This is Face the Music, an electric light orchestra song by song podcast. And I'm Eric Winsensen. If you've listened to this far into the podcast series, then you know what the bonus tracks episodes are about. So, on this one, we will read selected comments that required some extra production to make them sound really good. And if you don't hear your comment here, then we probably read it on our YouTube channel, the Electric Light Orchestra Podcast channel. So, if you don't hear it here, check there. And if you don't hear it here or there, then your comment probably slipped through the notification process and I didn't get it. So, let's turn this mother out and start with a comment on Moment in Paradise. Corey Gomel says, There are very few times Jeff plays with his vocals on a word as he does here with the word someone. Someone. The result here is magical. I'm not ashamed to say it gives me an eargasm every time I hear it. At Storytellers, he credited Rosie Vella with the suggestion of making it a wobbly bit. I wish Jeff did a little bit more playing with his voice and words. He does this to a tiny degree and the lights go down with the word flown, making it two syllables instead of one. Again, I love that. One of the greatest examples of this type of wordplay is the way Freddie Mercury sings the word magic in the Queen classic Brighton Rock. Lastly, when asked about how was my trip back to New York for Storytellers was, and seeing Jeff, hearing him play the song live, and the pre-party with Rob Kager, and a bunch of ELO fans, I always answer with the title of this song. It was simply a moment in paradise. And about State of Mind, Mike Hudson said, This is one of the better tracks on the album. Yeah, the riff owes a lot to Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman, but it's far from a direct rip-off, just more of the feel of the riff than the actual notes being played. But it's a great rockin' song. This should have been the lead single rather than All Right. 
Love the guitar solo section with its backwards bits. This harks back to earlier ELO, such as the backward solo on Bluebird is Dead. I love the pitched down break in the middle. Also, very ELO-ish. Reminds one of many prior ELO songs. I really don't have any problem at all with this song. You know, I, I never noticed the pretty woman thing until now. Mike Hudson says, I don't think this is the best track on Zoom, but it's one of the better ones for sure. I never really saw the intro as sounding like Across the Universe, but I can kind of see it now you guys mentioned it. I'd say more of a nod than even an homage. But I wonder if you guys picked up on a prior ELO reference in this song. The ending fade of Just for Love has some background la 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 vocals that remind me of the world of the same sort of thing in the fade-out of Strange Magic. The song isn't slathered with strings, but it is quite ELO-y. Great guitar work throughout, as you have mentioned as well. Nice swirling arpeggios throughout the main portion of the song. Great little riffs and solos here and there to keep the listener interested. I like the transition to the middle. I've always liked it when Jeff used totally different effects on the vocals from one part of a song to another, along with the use of occasional echo on a single word or phrase. Again, borrowing from classic ELO. I don't see anything to not like about this song. Corey Gomel. The problem with Just For Love can be summed up in Mike Hudson's comment. I don't see anything not to like about this song. I kinda agree. I do love the guitar solo followed by the fade out of We're Gonna Get It Right. We're Gonna Get It Together. Listen up, people. Here's a snippet for Jill. We're gonna get it together. We're gonna get it right. And it's really not one of those hate to see you leave, but I love to watch you go moments. I really do love the fade out. The problem is the rest of the song is just there. Not great, not terrible, just there. It has Jeff's vocals going for it, and did I mention the guitar solo in that fade out? Man, I really dig that acid rock. <laughs> Vinny Corbett says, I know this is an ELO podcast, but I'd like to take this opportunity, if I may, to give a shout out to another great band, King Crimson, who had a song of the same name. Oh, always willing to give a shout out to King Crimson and hey we've always talked about how we hope Jeff Lynn isn't listening in here well there's a good reason we're not doing a King Crimson song by song podcast one of those being Eric Paul probably doesn't know one King Crimson song no I don't the other is Robert Fripp it's pretty um 
pretty adamant about making sure none of his music ever gets heard for some reason. So, yeah, that would have been shut down basically almost before we ended our conversation on 21st Century Schizoid Man. Wait, did he steal from ELO? Um, I have nothing against King Crimson. I've always been kind of curious to hear what they sound like. It's just something, one of many, many, many things I've never gotten to. And I would love it if Jeff Lynn listened to the podcast. The thing I don't want him to do is shut us down. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Jack Brown says, always had an affinity for this song. Bob Coburn used my question to Jeff as a lead-in for it on the 2001 Rockline show. question was about Jeff possibly touring with Ringo and his all-star band. Jeff hit the question head-on with his message points, and Bob pivoted to Ringo's drumming and this song. We head to West Palm Beach to speak with Jack. Welcome to Rockline, Jack. Here's Jeff Lynn for you. Good evening, Jeff. Hi, Jack. You've done quite a bit of work with Ringo Starr over the past few years. I was wondering if there's any possibility in the future of you going out on the road with Ringo and his all-star band, backing him up, and perhaps doing a few ELO tunes. It's a nice thought, but uh, I hadn't any intention of it, really, but, uh, because, you know, I've got my own band now, ELO, and uh, which I've reformed and made it into a whole new thing. But I love Ringo, and Ringo played drums on a, a couple of tracks on this album, and uh, he's a great guy and a fantastic drummer. As he says, you can set your watch by him. <laughs> it's true, yeah. yeah. He's a, yeah, the, just a heartbeat, you know? Yeah. Steady, steady oh, as she great. goes. Yeah, He's done uh, Moment in Paradise and Easy Money as well. That's correct. Corey Gomel. Both Jeff Lynne and Billy Joel write a song about easy money. Jeff has it, and Billy wants it. I hope it wasn't Billy that Jeff was singing about. This song is fun and playful, and even contains a bad word in Jeff making a joke telling himself to take it, Jeff. What's not to like? Sure, it sounds like it would have been a B-side back in the old days. Kind of like, you know my name, look up the number, was a B-side for the Beatles. One thing that has bothered me for years, sort of coming out of the closet on this here and now. I'm not crazy about Jeff being Jeff's own backing vocals. There, I've said it. Oh my God! I've always liked the blended voices of the Supremes. Or the news. Do you believe in love? Or Kelly and Jeff, as opposed to just Jeff. Nowadays, Jeff just tells his engineer Steve J to double that, or even triple that, the vocals he's laid down for the background. And I'm not a huge fan of that. And I make this confession in spite of this song. Because I love how his doubled voice comes in at almost the one minute mark with easy money. Easy funny. My playlist says it's only played this song once in the last five years. Also, thanks to the Erics. All I can think about when I hear this song now is your podcast and you guys asking for contributions using a snippet of this song. Which is brilliant, because every time I hear it, like Pavlov's dog, I reach into my wallet and give you money. Throw some cash our way at patreon.com slash elopod. For $1 an episode, you can hear episodes a week before they post to the world. At the $2 per episode level, you get expanded episodes heard only on Patreon. Reviews from Don Fields, the Eric's Cover ELO cover songs. Or skip all that and just hand it over directly through PayPal using the email address eloftmpodcast at gmail.com.
And on that joyous note, let us get on with the show. Sam Hill said about it doesn't really matter at all. Not a lot of people know this song went through a few titles. It started out as a complaint to an old R&B singer. It really doesn't matter, Lou Rawls. Then a butter spread company rejected the commissioned song. I can't believe it really doesn't matter at all. Before the final title, it was redone as a song about a guy who drains out all of his blood before he jumps off a building called He Really Doesn't Splatter at All. You're a genius. MJ Fold says, I liked this song. You know, in the chorus where he sings, in an ordinary dream. The way he sings that is quite different to how he had recently sung stuff. In fact, it reminds me of parts of Poor Boy, the Greenwood, where he sang bits like, The dancing girls and the open pies and the wine that flows like water. Great song. That fan remix was fun, too. And I really was happy you found the original guy to tell the story of it. Could we not all persuade him to cast his magic and remix the whole of Zoom and the classic ELO sound? You can do magic. I had a sax player who was really good, the Reverend Dave. And uh, it was on a very sad song about my mother dying and about this little place in Birmingham where I come from and um, he played some real beautiful nicely felt sax. Don Fields, substitute that song with happy happy joy joy and you got one hell of a show. That's very funny. Happy happy joy joy, 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 happy happy joy joy. Happy, 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 not exactly the same, they are very close. In fact, after hearing Melting in the Sun, I feel the need to hear Hammer to Fall next. It's time for another instant request. I kinda wish I wouldn't have said it's time before that. I wish it would have went more like, it's another instant request. Queen, their finest album yet, featuring Radio Gaga. And I Want to Break Free. Queen, the works on album and cassette from Asda, Littlewoods, Morrisons, and Greens of Debenhams now. This is Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar from Star Trek, The Next Generation, and you're listening to Face the Music, an electric light orchestra song-by-song podcast. Did you know Zoom existed before we hit it in this podcast? 
Yes, I did know it existed. I considered getting it when it came around to the E section again, but I just never considered going out and getting it uh, when it came out. I remember kind of when it came out. I kind of knew it was there. However, I didn't hear very good things about it. Yeah. I just basically heard that it was a doll wannabe ELO album with nobody from ELO in it except Jeff Lynne. Uh, and figured, I'm not the biggest ELO fan, so it's not something I'm going to pick up. Keep in mind how long ago this was. This is 2001. Yeah. Now that I'm archiving and getting everything, yeah, of course I was going to get it, regardless of what it sounded like. So you'd never heard it before or anything from it? I had never heard it before or heard anything from it, no. So what do you think of it? It's not great, Mm -hmm. but it's better than Balance of Power. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even though uh, this technically... I agree with everybody who says that, other than name on it, it is a Jeff Lynne solo album. The only other ELO member that shows up, and this is for one song, is Richard Tandy. Otherwise, it's Jeff Lynne with special guests and session musicians. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he intended originally to release this under an Electric Light Orchestra, or the label wasn't really a major label. No, it wasn't. So I can't really see them pressuring him too much to try and make money off the ELO name. Because by then, I think he probably could have made more money just off the Jeff Lynn name. Mm-hmm. I guess he wanted to do something to let everybody know ELO was back, but it just didn't fit in with the music of the time. It's 20 years later now, so I couldn't give a crap about the music <laughs> of the time. To tell the truth, 20 years ago, for the most part, I couldn't give a crap about the music of the time. Yeah. Uh, The 2000s are the worst decade of music ever. (laughs) I think there was a recording machine 150,000 years ago. Og beating on some rocks would have been better and more creative than pop, rap, and nu metal. (sighs) And emo and screamo and... A lot of the garbage that the record companies tried to force on people back then and like trying to keep that grunge thing going with Creed and Nickelback. (sighs) Yeah. But as an album, I don't mind it. I was afraid it was going to be like a 70 minute album. Uh, Yeah. That was another one of those things I was afraid of because that was a trend at the time. A lot through the 90s is, hey, now we can do CD length. We're going to put everything on here that we would have cut off the regular album. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, God. (laughs) But no, it's still album length, which is a point in its favor. So there's still a lot of filler on here, but at least it's three-minute filler. There is that. It's not seven minutes of experimental wailing and yelling and everything to try and make something look arty when you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I think that the minor label that the album was released on, I think, was Frontier. Think. This is a big I think. I think enough for me to close one eye and cock the other eyebrow. That it was owned by Sony. (laughs) And this is the rumor that I had heard swirling around the time. I haven't been able to find out if it's true or not, but Jeff Lynne recorded this album, and he said, here you go, here's a, here's a Jeff Lynne album. 
and the record company said, great, we'll release it, but you got to say it's by Electric Light Orchestra. And Jeff Lynne said, yeah, sure, I still get paid the same, right? Again, I think, the rumors swirling around, that's why this was an ELO album and not a Jeff Lynne album. When word came out in 2001 that ELO was going to have a new album out, I, of course, squeed myself silly. <gasps> oh my god, this is fantastic! And then a few seconds later, my brain kicked in and said, no, well, hold, hold on a second here. Is this going to be a real Electric Light Orchestra album? Did Jeff make nice with Bev and Kelly and everything Sunshine and Lollipops again? I knew Richard Tandy would be on it. Him and Jeff have always been great friends. And are the strings back? Did he bring in Hugh and Mick and, uh, and Melvin? Is this going to be a true album by the Electric Light Orchestra? Or is this going to be a Jeff Lynne album with the ELO name stuck to it? And if so, is this going to sound like an ELO album? Or is this going to sound like a Jeff Lynne solo album? When it came out, I got in my unair conditioned car in June and went to the record store to go buy it at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I got back, nope, nope, nobody from ELO except for Jeff and a little blink of an appearance by Richard Tandy is here, so this is not a full Electric Light Orchestra reunion. So you got the album and, and I listened to it and no, this is not an ELO album. This is a Jeff Lynne album. I listened to it once, I thought, well, that's a thing that exists now. And I took it out of my CD player and put it in with my ELO stuff after Flashback. I, you know, overall, I wasn't thrilled with the album. There were some songs that did stick with me, and I put the CD back in my CD player and with the seven other discs that were in there and put it on random. And it would play songs from Zoom along with songs from other people. And after a while, the album kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of liking some of this. And I think that's my overall feeling about Zoom. I kind of like it. It's not great. It's not an album that I ever think, sweet Jesus, I gotta hear Zoom. Never once in my life have I rushed to hear Zoom. There are certain songs from it that I love to hear, but the album overall, eh, eh. It's not a bad Jeff Lynne solo album. It's a bland ELO album. And I know a lot of the fans are gonna be saying, well, what's the difference? When they were still promoting this album, someone asked him, why is this an ELO album and not a Jeff Lynne album? And Jeff Lynne said, well, because I say it's an ELO album. And I thought, no, no, just because you say it's an ELO album doesn't mean it's an ELO album. But it identifies as an ELO album. Well, just, <laughs> oh, great. Are you going to get me? Um... <laughs> You've got to accept that these days, you know. Are you going to sidetrack me on trans-ELO issues now? <laughs> it's a complicated issue here. So, uh, yeah, where that means you got to be tolerant and accepting here. <laughs> and inclusive. No, I don't. Not for this. <laughs> this is not an ELO album. This is a Jeff Lynne solo album with the Electric Light Orchestra name stuck on it to try and sell it. Which, I don't see how you could have won with that in 2001. Yep, and I was wrong about being released independently. It was released on Epic. There you go, Epic. I knew it was a, so a big deal CBS, label. that's CBS, well, Sony. Yeah. Now. So, yeah, that explains why it's Electric White Orchestra instead of Jeff Lynne, because yeah. Armchair Theater sold to Jeff Lynne fans. See, that's, yeah, that's the thing. That's why if you call yeah. it Jeff Lynne or Electric Light Orchestra, I don't think it would have made a bit of difference. ELO in 2001 was 
dead. The ship was empty and adrift in space. They're the fans like me? Sure, we're gonna buy it just because it says ELO. But all those people who were listening in the 70s and early 80s and buying all the records, they're older now. And they probably think of ELO as, oh yeah, I remember. They did those songs back then. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> and then move on. I mean, it's kind of like with Bare Naked Ladies. I was full on in with Bare Naked Ladies. I usually am. Yeah, just not the band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still like them, but I drifted away. And even though I like Bare Naked Ladies, uh, it's kind of like, oh, they have a new album out. That's nice. <laughs> and then I go on. And as for the younger people, it was still ugh, classical music. So that name isn't going to sell records. And the name Jeff Lynne, I don't think really sells records. Again, it's going to sell it to the fans. But in 2001, the Traveling Wilburys, it was Dylan Harrison, Petty Orbison, and the other guy with the big curly hair and beard. <laughs> it was even a joke on The Simpsons. Who's your favorite Traveling Wilbury? Is it Jeff Lynne? So it really was a Kobayashi Maru. There was a no-win situation. Call it Jeff Lynne, call it Electric Light Orchestra. The name alone still isn't going to sell this album to anybody. True. Now, one thing I can kind of agree with is a review that I've got here. Mm -hmm. People say album titles don't matter, but they do. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, I didn't write this review. This is just a random review I pulled up. Mm -hmm. They create an expectation, and when you call an album Zoom, I anticipate this means it is a zippy, peppy little thing coming <laughs> on with energy and verve. When attached to a work that would have been more accurately called Trudge... <laughs> The gap between the title and the reality can't fail but disappoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was hoping for an ELO album and I got a Jeff Lynne album. And it's okay. I understand that musicians progress and I would like that. I don't want the same thing over and over again. But I feel like that's what I got with this album. I, you know, I listened to it and I thought, great, this is Wilbury's Volume 3. This is Armchair Theater stuff. As much as I love Armchair Theater, I've heard it. I have it. I enjoy it. I don't need to hear it again and again and again over, at the time, 10 years. Same sort of sound. Also, like Billy Joel once said, where's the orchestra? Where's the orchestra? It's Electric Light Orchestra. I mean, if Weird Al Yankovic stopped recording as Weird Al Yankovic and just did Alfred Yankovic, and did serious songs and produced other people and sure he did great stuff and great music and then 15 years later he comes back with an album credited to Weird Al Yankovic I buy that album wanting the weird if I get a Weird Al Yankovic album and it's all serious songs no this is not what I'm putting my money out for I want the weird if I'm buying an Electric Light Orchestra album I want the orchestra the orchestra that was there from El Dorado through chunks of secret messages that's part of the lure for me for ELO is that big great orchestra sound and it's not here a couple of cellos maybe a violin what Hellig did to Ordinary Dream that's what I wanted from Zoom instead I get an okay Jeff Lynne album true yeah. and at least even thinking the quality of the recent releases <laughs> at least he's been honest calling it Jeff Lynne's ELO <laughs> There is no promise of an orchestra. Yeah. There is just the promise of Jeff Lynne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and whoever he wants to invite into the studio. Yeah. Is his ELO. Yeah. 
this really should be the first album entitled Jeff Lynn's ELO. Yeah, it, it, it really But should. I can understand at the time that, yeah, the label, yeah, we want an Electric Light Orchestra album. That's really going to sell tons of records in 2001. Mm, not in uh, America. Yeah, no, anybody who's a fan knows when a Jeff Lynn or Electric Light Orchestra album is coming out, and the fans are going to buy it. Yeah. The fans bought Electric Light Orchestra Part 2. Yes. Even I just recently bought it. But yeah. uh, but there are some decent songs on it, so... Mm-hmm. I know you hate Whiskey Woman, but yeah, that uh, one needs to be in my collection. Yeah, and in 2001, the fan base wasn't very strong for ELO. No. No. Not at all. No, it was <laughs> not. How many stars would you give it? All the other crap aside, <laughs> just looking at it as an album, three and a half. Mm. If it was longer, it would probably be two. Because yeah. if it was longer, it would have more filler on it. Oh, yeah. But he keeps it to album length. There's still plenty of good stuff on here. So, three and a half. I'm leaning towards two and a half. I mean, there are a few pretty good songs here. But when I go in for ELO, I want ELO. And I don't think I got ELO here. I got Jeff Lynne. And there is a difference between Jeff Lynne and Electric Light Orchestra. Jeff Lynne has a more stripped-down sound. ELO has that big orchestra sound, even if it's faked with synthesizers on Balance of Power. Got some good songs, but otherwise, a disappointing album for me. I think my thing is, is that since I didn't hear it back then and didn't have the anticipation, mm-hmm. I kind of knew what to expect. Yeah. And it actually was a little bit better than I expected, because it wasn't as awful <laughs> as some people had made it out to be. I don't really consider it a trudge. I just consider it, huh, collection of decent songs. Maybe he'll do better sometime. I know that's a hope that we're not going to have for the next two. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out about the 50th anniversary stuff, which is starting to kind of be... <laughs> Let's go. Year's half over. Where's the stuff, Jeff? Yeah, um... His 50th anniversary of VLO thing is starting to kind of look like a Zoom release. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a reprint of a book, and um, mm-hmm. hope you guys are happy. <laughs> yeah, Meanwhile, the residents did a completely uh, new concert on Night Flight to introduce Night Flight's app and are going on tour now that uh, none of their 70-year-old selves are going to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew what, I was, what to expect on this album. I was just hoping that I wouldn't get what I expected. I think that one needs just a tiny bit more work. My name's Alan Stair. Who cares? And I'm his wife, Donna Stair. You're not a cop, are you? Join us for the WKRP cast. It's a week-by-week, episode-by-episode podcast, giving you a chance to re-watch, review, and re-love WKRP. Tons of trivia, stories, background information, and, when possible, interview. Don't miss the WKRP cast. Subscribe now, available every Tuesday. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Back to ELO. Zoom was released on June 12, 2001. It was recorded at Jeff Lynne's home studio in Los Angeles and features the last recordings of George Harrison. It quite possibly is the worst-selling ELO album in the United States. It sold 18,000 copies. 
It was enough to make Billboard's album chart, though. Number 94 on July 7th, 2001, fell to number 160 the next week, dropped off the chart the week after that. The album was remastered and re-released with four bonus tracks on April 19th, 2013 in the UK and April 23rd in the United States. In Austria, the album got to number 51, number 46 on the Dutch album charts, number 37 in Belgium, number 36 in Japan, number 35 in Sweden, rose to number 34 in the UK, the Swiss got it to number 26, 18 in Norwegia, in Germany it got to number 16, and it reached number 14 on Billboard's top internet albums. Good hell everybody, it's me, that Dono guy, and that Xanadu thing, and uh, here's my wrap-up of all things Zoom. If you've gone this far into the Zoom bitch fest, you'll no doubt get the idea of what this wrap-up would have sounded like, a summarization of all the gripes you've heard since the beginning of this coverage. However, since I'm getting sick of myself reading and then reading out loud these same words of disenchantment thus far, I'm going to avoid the painfully obvious and instead tell my tale probably the biggest thing to happen during these Zoom times. The tape TV show and yours truly in the audience. In 2000, I was starting to get used to the internet and much later getting my first personal computer and one of the first things I did after plugging in was getting on the ELO mailing list showdown by Lynn Hoskins and as timing would have have it things were about to happen first was the box set that led to the new album but the biggest freaking deal was the taping of the future tour the details were that it was going to be shot from two shows over two days at the CBS Television Center in the Melrose District of West Los Angeles, by the way, which is not too far from the Pan Pacific Auditorium where Xanadu was shot 20 years earlier. And the producers needed an audience to fill in the seats for the cameras. And that's where Lynn and the showdowners, E-Crowd, came in to help. After the invitation for these tapings were posted in the list, there was a mad dash to claim your seat before they ran out. And that's when the hard work began, as Lynn called almost all the LA-based fans on the list to coordinate who was showing up and who needed a ride. And I was one of those LA carless freaks who needed help getting there. In the end, she got a couple of guys in a convertible to pick me up on the day of the first show zoomed down the streets of LA to the studios with yours truly riding in the back seat. This was a rare So LA moment for me. However, we didn't drive up to the studio just yet as we ended up at the landmark Cantor's Deli and Cafe for some pre-show fandom get-together where the band's archivist Rob Krager, I do hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, played some ELO rarities he had found. My two rides were not that interested in that level of fandom, so they stayed in the cafe area and I didn't want to lose my contact with them, so I stayed with them. I do remember hearing the Eldorado instrumental medley blasting in from the room. As it turned out, many of Rob's tracks would end up in future reissues, so it seems I didn't miss out on much. We then made our way to the studio two blocks away to wait for one for parking and the other to get in the studio. During the studio wait, they had a camera crew going around talking to various people in line asking where they all came from. And if you've seen the fan club section from the original DVD, yeah, they came from practically everywhere. They finally let us in and when we took our seats, there were some empties near the front and off to the side, 
and one of my rides who must have sensed my overbearing fanboy vibe suggests that I should move up and take one of them, which I did. I don't remember if we were giving any specific instructions from the crew outside of sitting still and to have a good time, but if they did, we didn't pay attention. It's not very often we get to see Jeff live performing the old stuff, and that was a big takeaway. So we weren't in the mood to do anything else. No time to be picky and all that hyperactive, opinionated fanboy jazz during the show. Just shut up and enjoy. What really solidified our mood for the show was, oddly, seeing Richard Tandy at the main keyboards and doing his thing. When he did his vocoder solo for Mr. Blue Sky, well, you saw the video. We went nuts, as you can tell. The particular reality we ELO fans must face when we hear these songs played live is that it is hard as hell to replicate all that studio magic on a small stage. But what few personnel Jeff had up there, we didn't mind at all. Today it was all about the songs and seeing Jeff and Richard play live together, and that was good enough for us. When the show was over, some of the crew were going around asking if anyone was willing to show up for the second show for the next day. However, they were more selective than before as they were now looking for much younger warm bodies compared to us old fanboys. Well, another so LA moment scratched off my bucket list. Another sudden small discovery was that I sat too close to one of the speakers and my right ear paid the price for a few hours or days. I don't think my ears remember that far. As we were leaving, I noticed some Xerox production schedules laid out on the table, and it seems that this was not the Total Zoom live experience, as they were planning to record a few more songs, only without an audience, like Twilight, Confusion, and Secret Messages, which would end up over 10 years later on the show's CD. It wasn't until the end of the year when the DVD and VHS tape of the show came out that my fanboy itch returned, but thankfully not enough to choke me. Especially the fact that I couldn't really see myself throughout the entire show, so a heart attack was avoided. First thing I noticed was the show ended up sounding quite similar to the album. A good clue was the drummer was using a pair of sawed-off drumsticks, adding to a live variation to those splatting drums that was persistent in Zoom, and pretty much Jeff's production since Balance of Power. Plus, they played seven songs from Zoom, which, oddly enough, sounded a little better than the album version, as live performances tend to add additional energy, even though my enthusiasm for Zoom waned off by then and the tour was cancelled due to low ticket sales, I'm glad this special event happened. First, I managed to see Jeff live, and second, it happened. Period. It captured a time when the fog of war between Jeff and the rest of ELO Part 2 had lift, and he was free to take the title wherever he went. Yep, the album tour was not successful, but it showed that there was life in the old orchestra after all. What does this compare to the newer life set from Wembley or Bust? I don't want to go there right now. As I said, it got the mothballs out of the spaceship, so there will be no nitpicking here. Though I will say that I do like the spaceship on the cover of the 2013 Life CD, though it looks more like a radiated neon bagel than anything else that flies.
Join the Facebook group Jeff Lynn's Blue World. Not only can you post anything even slightly tangentially related to ELO without some tin-plated nerd with delusions of godhood deleting or blocking you, not only can you debate ELO without someone questioning your authenticity as an ELO fan if you dare not like a song by Jeff Lynne, but best of all, you can win sh- ELO calendars, ties, tumblers, pens, and many other quality, unauthorized, unlicensed ELO merchandise. Is this a great country or what? But you can only win that stuff at Jeff Lynne's Blue World on Facebook. Hi there, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Eberting, longtime ELO fan since 1981. I approached Eric Paul Johnson about doing a few bits on ELO urban legends and ELO fandom, and he has graciously given me the green light to be a part of this excellent podcast. Since ELO fandom made its way onto the internet, some of you may know me by my nom de plume, Geffer. Now, I don't really use that name much anymore, as it doesn't really fly well when one is a practicing orthodontist in Knoxville, Tennessee. That all said, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of ELO fandom in the internet age, but first a little bit of my background. Being an ELO fan in the 80s and 90s meant always having to say you're sorry. My gateway into ELO fandom was through my friend's 8-track tape of Discovery, then hearing the song I'm Alive, and then finally being blown away by the Time album. Just as my Jeff Lynne addiction reached epic levels, poof, ELO was gone after 1986 and the Balance of Power album. All I had after that to get my ELO fix were Jeff Lynne Productions, The Wilburys, Armchair Theater, and even ELO Part 2, whom I lovingly call ELFO. In terms of there being a support community for ELO fans, I didn't know of anything. So from 1986 to 2001, it was a real 15-year ELO void. Until around 1993, when I discovered the internet and the Usenet newsgroup, alt.music.elo. Now here was a gathering site for people to share their love of ELO. There was also an emailing list run by a woman named Jan who worked at the Jet Propulsion Lab in California. Between the two, I learned the names of many fans, some of whom are still a presence today. Corey Gomel, Mike Kriegsman, Damien Spangier, Julian West, Shaz Kioma. At the time, I was a dental student at Temple University in Philadelphia. Anytime a patient no-showed me for an appointment, I was in the computer lab falling down my ELO rabbit hole. When ELO Part 2 came to play a show at the Valley Forge Music Fair, I attended it and learned about a fanzine run by Steve Rifkin called Light. I reached out to him and for a few years, I wrote a few articles for the newsletter. On the alt.music.elo newsgroup, we did have some people who were truly in the ELO No post to the site. One great moment was Bill Batrell, the engineer for Secret Messages, posting his memories of those sessions, including the original sequence of songs for the Secret Messages double album. However, the greatest moment was learning that Richard Tandy's wife, Sheila, was a poster to the site. I reached out to her and asked if I could interview Richard, and she graciously accepted. I put together a ton of questions, Steve Rifkin added a few more, and we conducted what was probably the best interview coup in the history of Light Magazine. The interview is still lurking out there on the internet and was recently cited in an article marking the 35th anniversary of the Balance of Power album and the ELO implosion. The only other ELO resource that I knew of at the time was Face the Music, which was considered canon. I didn't subscribe then as I didn't want to deal with currency conversion. It made sense to me at the time. But apparently, these guys were truly in the know for all things Electric Light Orchestra. They did post plenty of information to the alt.music.elo newsgroup and the ELO email list. Then I disappeared from the internet scene for a while after I graduated from dental school as I didn't own a computer. 
I was a dentist in the Navy who jumped from Philly to San Diego and then to Norfolk, Virginia. It was then I purchased a computer and was able to reconnect with the ELO world. It was around this time that the first ELO email list was supplanted by the showdown email list administered by ELO Queen Lynn Hoskins. The list is still active today, and Lynn has played a major role in many of the ELO-related reissues and is usually one of the first people to disseminate any ELO breaking news. Her place among the ELO fans is legend, and I'm grateful for all the hard work she has put into keeping the fan base informed and engaged. That's going to wrap up my recollections about the early history of ELO fandom in the internet age. My next bit will be discussing one of the great events that took place in 2001. Well, hello, this is Dr. Troy with my final thoughts on Zoom. If you've been listening closely to my comments throughout these episodes on the Zoom album, what I'm about to say won't come as a surprise. I made it clear from the very beginning that Zoom was not one of my favorite ELO albums. In fact, it's one of the biggest disappointments I've ever had in my life. I see this CD in the record store. I didn't know it was coming out. I'm all excited. I buy it. I get home and I play it. And then I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, it, I gave it a couple more spins and I still didn't like it any better. Listen to it again about 10 years later, 2011. Eh. Then listen to it again before this podcast. It's just not an ELO album. And I know some of you probably get tired of hearing me and the Erics and others say that. But speaking for myself, the ELO moniker means something. When Jeff Lynn puts that ELO on an album, I expect something. As someone who's been listening to the band since I first saw them on the Midnight Special in 1973. And I didn't get what I expect from the Zoom album. It might have made a good to very good Jeff Lynn album, but not an ELO album. I mean, it would have been like, I'm a KISS fan. I know I'm probably the only one left on planet Earth, but I'll die a KISS fan. But it would have been like if when they took their makeup off in the 80s, that was bad enough for some KISS fans. But then if they started playing country music, that's about the best analogy I can think of. It would not have been KISS, no matter how many times they put that moniker on the album. And that is why I say... Yeah, this would have been a very good Jeff Lynne album, but ELO, no, no way. I'm sorry, that's the way I feel. Talk to you later. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Eberting, and I'm going to talk about the VH1 Storytellers event. April 20th, 2001. A huge day in ELO history. After 15 years of radio silence from the Jeff Lynne-led iteration of the Electric Light Orchestra, we were not only getting a new album, but we were getting two tapings of the band, one for VH1 Storytellers and the other for airing on PBS fundraisers and which also became the Zoom Live DVD. I'm going to talk about the VH1 Storytellers taping as that was the one I attended. My even being there happened at the last moment. 
I was in my orthodontic residency at Temple University when the event took place. I had no real hope of scoring tickets to the taping in New York City, so I put the event out of my mind, at least until noon on Friday, April 20th, 2001. My phone started ringing, and I picked up the phone to hear the voice of Showdown email list moderator Lynn Hoskins. She told me that some people who had won tickets were unable to attend, so she was reaching out to people who she knew lived near New York City. If I could make it up to the city by 4 p.m., then a ticket would be there with my name on it. Now let's see. Stay for a mindlessly boring cleft lip and palate lecture, or take a chance of seeing Jeff Lynne live in concert? I think we can all agree that was a no-brainer. So I sped up the New Jersey Turnpike to head to a restaurant at which all of the ELO fans were gathering before the concert taping. Here, I got to meet some of the ELO fans who I only knew by name from the alt.music.elo newsgroup or the showdown mailing list. As we all got to know each other and share our love for ELO, in walked then-ELO archivist Rob Kager and his entourage. Rob was good enough to play for us some ELO rarities, including an alternate version of Heaven Only Knows and the holy grail of ELO rarities, Beatles Forever. I'll talk more about that song's bootleg history when the Erics do the Beatles Forever episode. We walked over to the studio where the show was being taped and I got my ticket. They started ushering us in and distributing us around the studio in different seats. The production personnel gave us our instructions, the do's and don'ts and television etiquette, and we began the wait for the gig to start. And then the lights went down, and then began those opening power chords that can only mean do ya, and thus began the first ELO concert of the millennium under Jeff Lynne's leadership. The set list was great given the time constraints for TV. Do ya, Evil Woman, Showdown, Telephone Line, Living Thing, All Right, State of Mind, Mr. Blue Sky, Can't Get It Out of My Head, Don't Bring Me Down, Moment in Paradise, and Mama Bell. A bunch of ELO classics and three new songs from Zoom. This version of ELO was really tight. The Bissonette Brothers, Matt and Greg on bass and drums respectively, Mark Mann on guitars and keyboards, Peggy Baldwin and Sarah O'Brien on cellos, Jeff's then-girlfriend Rosie Vela on backing vocals, and Jeff's right-hand man, Richard Tandy, on keyboards and vocoder. The audience had its turn to ask questions. I remember Andrew Codd asking Jeff if he'd play one of his Idol Race songs, and Jeff saying, yeah, but not now as we haven't rehearsed any of them. Jeff seemed blown away and humbled by the audience response to ELO being back in the spotlight, and he was very engaging throughout the entire taping. During the taping, there was a short break after Don't Bring Me Down where the band went off stage before coming back to perform Moment in Paradise and Mama Bell. During that break, it was still fairly dark, but I turned around and right behind my seat on the riser was the man himself. I stuck out my hand to him and said, welcome back, Jeff. He smiled, shook my hand and said, thanks. And that topped off what was already a great evening. There are a few ELO fans who have written about that night, but I think the one you should read is one done by Kimberly Provenzano, her website is still there and she talks about the evening more from an emotional standpoint. She was new to the ELO world and I spoke with her a bit about being an ELO fan. And the great part about her story is that she met her future husband, Julian West, at the taping. Moments in paradise indeed. And that's my story about ELO's first comeback attempt in the live concert world. Hope to talk with you guys again soon. Do you love Xanadu without fear of being shunned by humanity? We're here! We, we like Xanadu! Xanadu. 
get used, used to, it. to it. And roller skate to the Xanadu Preservation Society site at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. It's an online warehouse of pictures, audio interviews, short essays, remixes, and a crate load of extras about one of the most maligned, yet somewhat enjoyable movies of the 80s. Make your Xanadu dreams come true at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. Xanadu, 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 Xanadu. These people donated to the podcast through patreon.com slash ELOPod. Christopher Mainwaring, Rob Eben, Mitch Barloga, Alex Hernandez, Mark Jealous, Diane Hughes, Louis Mendoza, Robert Berry, Roland Leisure, Stacy Reed, Silverwings, David M. Stowe, Dono, The ESO Network, Jill Chenault, Frederick Skog, and James Crow. And thank yous to Tracer Anthony for his cover artwork, and Stephen St. John for the Stranger on a Quiet Street music bed. We haven't included outtakes since we started doing expanded episodes because other than ums, uhs, and stammers, everything makes it into those shows. But this time around, there were a couple of outtakes worth sharing. As I'm talking to Winsenson on the video call, I see him turn his head, his eyes get big, and he starts waving his hands frantically. Damn, that's so much awesome sound. It's <laughs> so... <sighs> Not now. <laughs> Having pussy problems? <laughs> oh, since you already interrupted, what? Oh. <laughs> oh, the wife. I thought it was a cat, yeah. which is why I said no. pussy problems. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I need to put a red light out there. I, I want one of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, I, that's what he said. I figured you meant the cat because uh, I'm also glad that the that the out that the external speakers aren't on. <laughs> yeah, I am, too. So, once uh, so, so she's not she's not preparing. She doesn't drive. But I think at that point she would get in the car, get, get in the older car just in case she wrecks it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should be headed to Illinois. Uh, as soon as I figured out it was the wife, it was like, oh, I'm glad he's got headphones on. Yes, I have the headphones yeah. on. I do not have the external speakers on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or else she'd be on the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, you just got very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> she would have thought of it. <laughs> You can't talk with him anymore. <laughs> and I had a similar incident while recording this bonus tracks episode. Well, they're a nostalgia act now, even though I've got uh, some fans, some mega fans of Bare Naked Ladies. You wouldn't <laughs> believe how big fans they, 
do have. What a big fan base they do have. <laughs> There's a cat banging at the door. Who's not going to go okay. away until I let him in. Just to be clear, Eric yeah. Paul is having pussy problems. I'm kind of busy here, so let's get that. There you go. If he doesn't stroke that pussy on a normal basis. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right. Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 160, El Dorado Instrumental Medley. Because he's